Hello, Aaron O'Rourke. Hello, Dan. It's uh, nice to hear you and see you today. Likewise. So, we got to get this thing back back going again. I was enjoying doing Dulcimer Geek podcast, and uh, Seifert enjoys it too. He's just not available right now. Yeah, he's crazy busy. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Yeah. You know what? He's a monster as far as uh, working. Yeah. We were, we, I ran into him at Mount Dora this past weekend, and we got to talk a little bit about the project he's working on with the uh, the concerto out in Oregon. And uh, that sounds Did you talk like him a... off the ledge? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we mostly just talked about uh, fingering a lot. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, Steve. Steve is a monster at what he can't, at what he does, and what he can do. Yeah. Wow. Uh, has he not? Has he chewed the ends of his fingers off yet while working on this? No, not yet. But he he has made some adjustments to to how he normally plays, and it's been it was interesting talking to him about his process and how he's made some adjustments. Uh, to yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. It, 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 in particular. From your perspective of hearing him talking, well, maybe we should tell people what we're talking about first. If uh, if you're joining us for Dulcimer Geek, and we haven't been here for a while, we're starting again. A lot of reasons why we haven't done them. <clears throat> Most of the reason is my own. We've been building a house and doing things like that. So anyway, it's all good. And uh, I really wanted to get started this week, but Steve is teaching him outdoor right now. And getting ready for this thing it's in boston right uh the are you talking about the the concerto that he's doing yeah i believe it's in oregon in the columbia river gorge boston's not in oregon i don't think so okay i i might <laughs> I, I might be off but uh oh, that sounds right i remember him telling you that and i was asking yeah if uh, heidi and bob were going to be out that way he's like oh yeah i need to contact them yeah so anyway Seaford is practicing for this concerto that was custom written. Is this a Connie Allosaur? No, it's not. It's a it's a different fellow, um, uh, and I don't know him personally, but um, I believe he taught composition at a college, from what Steve said, and um, that's all I really know about him. Well, I think I think he was a Navy SEAL interrogator. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and and he used to torture people. And so but he also knew some stuff, you know, he's a composer, so he wrote this Mountain Dulcimer thing and he's uh trying to kill Stephen C. Yeah, this is a form some of, information from him. Yeah, continue <laughs> torture. That makes sense. <laughs> I think that's what it is, yeah. So anyway, back to the original thread there. So you hearing him talking about adjusting his playing style, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Well, it's... Uh, I, I'll preface it by saying I've learned a lot from Steve in, in my time of playing Dulcimer. We've also debated quite a bit <laughs> um, about technical approaches and everything, and um, particularly thinking about uh, positions when developing what fingering you're going to use. In other words, like a guitar player that might think of, you know, first position and assigning a finger per fret. Um, we we have two very different approaches to that. Um, we call each other up every once in a while, once in a blue moon, and debate about it. And um, he... With working on this piece, it's, it's pretty challenging and pretty noty. And... Um, 
in being in the classical realm, I think it's a little bit more of what I practice on a regular basis and why I use my system of fingering. Even though Seifert, his system has some advantages if you're playing in his usual style. And so he he said to me, he's he said, I've started your, using your system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, was, it was like this giant ego boost because I've learned so much from him. <laughs> but, uh, right. <laughs> That's you know the thing that people say uh, about dulcimers is you don't all you have to do is you you just what's that quote you don't do something you just play yeah the, um, there are several different ver- versions of it there are no notes on a dulcimer you just play it I also hear there's no wrong way to play a dulcimer um, are those two of the uh, yeah, ballpark what yeah. you're talking about yeah, you're in the ballpark of what okay. I'm thinking. That's not really true. <laughs> yeah. Always. You know, if you're sitting on your porch and you're just, you know, making some sound, that's good. That has value. Yeah. But you can't do that with an orchestra. Yeah. Um, my my opinion on it is, has been there is no wrong way. There's no authority that's going to arrest you for this. And I certainly have no authority to tell you how to play, but... Any way that's going to hurt you <laughs> over a prolonged period probably shouldn't be encouraged. And I guess that's about as uh, willing to stick to any strong opinion as uh, I can get. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's just some there's benefit. I'll, I'll tell the story on myself. Oh, this was the uh, boy. I shouldn't tell this, but it's good. All right, let, let people know. I mean, I, I did the this quilters tour and played hammer dulcimer in that and it was tough i mean it was hard music and mm-hmm. i <laughs> i was naive in that they were trying to put this on for less money than they didn't have enough money to have a full orchestra so they decided to just have four people but they really needed a hammer dulcimer in it because mm. that's one of the parts and it's hard for any other instrument to do hammer dulcimer parts and make it sound right yeah so i played a little harp played a lot of hammer dulcimer play guitar about like I do now, which is, you know, I can sit in and I get a campfire and I'm okay. Well, that's cool. You, you never see me doing it anywhere else. Uh, but they didn't want to hire a mandolin player. They didn't have the money. And so I said, I can do the mandolin parts on hammer dulcimer, which it's sort of easier than a hammer dulcimer player, than a mandolin player doing hammer dulcimer parts. Yeah, that makes sense. So seems easy, right? <laughs> <laughs> My goodness was that hard. I had to learn all those parts quickly. And then there were some parts that the mandolin was doing that uh, they were more like sound effects, mm-hmm. you know, because there's these specific sounds that can come out of it. So, now, so here's the here's the embarrassing part is uh, we were trying to get something done. And the guy just said, just play a tritone, just play a tritone <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I didn't know what a tritone was. <laughs> And that's embarrassing to me now because everybody knows what a tritone is. They don't really. But there's that stuff, you know, when you when you're trying to do something very specific, there's a there's specific knowledge that you need to have. I'm actually just a little bit fascinated that that was his advice to you. Just play a tritone. Like I've never heard that when in doubt, just play a tritone. Well, because it was like a sound effect sort of thing. Something oh, bad was happening. I see. They okay. Were, yeah. It was like it was supposed to be scary. Bah, wait, here, hold on. See if you can hear this. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there's the tritone. So 
anyway, now I know how to do that. And yeah, yeah. And even though watching that show, the music that you were hearing was probably supposed to sound like it was just you know a bunch of bunch of people sitting around on a porch playing. Mm-hmm. So even for that to execute that well, sometimes you have to work really hard at it. Yeah. <laughs> So. so what did you play instead of a tritone? I'm really curious. Well, the problem was this particular part, the hammer dulcimer plays really well in certain keys. One of them is not E flat. And so what complicated it even more is he wanted a tritone in E flat. Oh. So think about that. <clears throat> Say you you just looked up into your thinking mode trying to think, okay, right. what is I the did. tritone? Yeah. Yeah, because so if it's B flat, is it? the tritone is going to be an E natural, right? Mm-hmm. And so here's what I have to do to figure that stuff out quickly because I never play in that. I would look at my E and say, oh, okay, right across from that is my B. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the tritone would be a B flat from an E. Right. So then from E flat, the tritone's going to be A. An A. Right. Yeah. You can't. But that took me 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that took me a while. But yeah, I got so to I it to... from the same the same place that you did. Okay, what's the tritone of E? Then flat that. Did you really? Yeah. That's, a, that's amazing. That, yeah. That makes me... See, you just made me feel better. Because I look at you as some kind of genius. <laughs> Uh-oh. I, that's, yeah, we probably yeah. shouldn't talk to each other much because we're, <laughs> yeah, we're going to disappoint each other. <laughs> At this stage in our careers, I think we have respect. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what are you working on these days, Aaron? Um, <laughs> uh, actually, random stuff. I'm working on my taxes uh, <laughs> right okay. now. But aside from that, I've... Hey, no, 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 don't leave that. That's okay. good dulcimer geek material. You're doing this full time. <laughs> I am. You're a musician. Yeah. And... So uh, if somebody asked me, well, how does a musician do their taxes? I would say, marry Angie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how. Yeah. Um, Nikki just learned yesterday that taxes are going to be a lot more complicated this year for her. <laughs> <laughs> That's <Oops>. right. <laughs> yeah. So how, how do you go about it? Uh, well, that That's... I I finally got it together um, last year at some point to actually talk to someone who knows what they're doing and go see an accountant uh, to find out exactly what I can be writing off and what I can't and um, learned how to keep a little bit better records uh, throughout the year. There's still inevitably some holes that I need to go back through and find, okay, uh, how many books did I sell there? And uh, keeping track of all those receipts, how much did I pay for all these books and CDs that I carry around with me? Uh, how many miles did I drive to this gig and all that fun stuff? You know, so it used to be no one, maybe some people kept that, but people for the most part would say they kept it. And then at the end of the year would, you know, you go back through this process of trying to remember all the places you went, and then you write all the stuff down. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the advice was you should write it all in a book and put dates on it, mm-hmm. and then put it down in the floor of your car and for two or three days and kick it around and let some coffee get spilled on it. So if you ever get audited, <laughs> it looks like, you know, this thing is real. Yeah. 
but you can't do that with your phone. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is the way everybody does that. Now. Right. I tried. It was not, it didn't work out. It just yeah. it ruined the phone. <laughs> but that was tax deductible. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. So does so it all works out. So does Angie have any free time coming up? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Because no. we could use her help. But. <laughs> Actually, we did what you did. <clears throat> and she keeps all the, the records and we give them to an accountant. And mm. I think your advice is really solid advice. You should, if you are a musician, you should have an accountant. Yeah. Because it's complex. And we're going to tend to, well, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm always afraid. I'm, I wouldn't do well in prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head in the dulcimer world that I think, you know, they would do, they would really thrive in, in that setting. You play a what? <laughs> Come here, boy. Yeah. It's, it's not going to work out well for yeah. us. So it, it, I'm always afraid that I'm going to do it wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think we really erred on the side of of caution mm-hmm. too much for too long. Yeah. And paid way more in taxes than we needed to until we started using an accountant. Yeah, same same thing here. Uh, luckily, on the plus side, it's not hard to convince the IRS you're not making much money if you're really not making much money. And That's so- true, yeah. <laughs> You can say, please come over. Yeah. <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, th- you know, there are a lot of expenses that we have, and there's right. these questions about, you know, when instruments you purchased. Did you resell them? Is that mm-hmm. what you're, you know, you can, get into, you can get into trouble with all of that. Right. And paying taxes on things. I mean, as, as far as like paying on ta- paying taxes for things you buy and sell, you, yeah. you don't pay taxes on to buy. You pay taxes on it if you sell it. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I just I really trust my guy with all that, and I <laughs> I usually what what happens is I I have my list, my ledger, and I just I have a bunch of marks on them with questions and i said is this applicable is this applicable should i write this off this is what i use it for um and he says yes or no and he he goes surprisingly quick whereas it it feels like this massive undertaking for me and he's done and i mean just a matter of minutes it seems like are you guys doing taking any off for a room in your house uh no we're not. We were going to, and then we rented the cottage out. Um, so someone else. Yeah, but, is I, but I still think you could do. You know, like this place. This place that you're in right now. Mm-hmm. If you no longer need to use that as a restroom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the vocal booth now. It's, that's, uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but that has helped us, and our accountant said, "No, oh, yeah, absolutely." Okay. And we've, you know, there's only so much you can do. But if we were Google, you know, you were you were Google, or I guess Alphabet is what it is now. 
they get to write off so much stuff because they legitimately do people eat there. And I think, well, we ought to get to write off our kitchen because, you know, we work from home and we eat from our kitchen just like they do at Google. And the accountant says, no, you can't really do that. Yeah. It has to be primarily business and the bathroom. I mean, there's business. There's business. There. That's where you, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a business place, but you can't. Maybe if you had a third bathroom that was connected to a studio or something on your house, you could probably do that. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably get somebody writing in and telling us that actually you can. And, and again, maybe you can. Uh, it's, I would say it's really important to get an accountant and stick with that one because it's an art. Yeah. The sort of, they're defining, at least on paper, the way you do business. That makes sense. Yeah, and luckily, so not... my, my my accountant is a bluegrass banjo player, and he's oh, very good. Yeah, he's or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he plays guitar too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. all right. That's good. Yeah. All right. So, what else you got going? Ta- taxes. You were telling me what what you've got happening. Yeah. So when I'm when I'm not trying to figure out my taxes and uh, and complete my my ledger. Um, there are actually two new original pieces that I've been working on. Um, one of them's a lot more complicated than the other, and it's gonna—it's out of my reach a little bit, honestly. Still, um, but you wrote it. I know. <laughs> so it seems How can like you write if you, something out of your reach. Uh, actually, I think that most of what I write tends to be out of my reach, um, and that's why I write it. Uh, how do you get yourself in these situations? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, it's uh, <laughs> as a, my friend David Beatty said. You know, that's just it's when I told him a little bit about this piece that I was doing. He said, "So you, you that's a little bit masochistic, but uh, good luck with that." And um, <laughs> but it's a. Uh, I I tend to try and identify what I'm struggling with technically, then develop an exercise around that. And a lot of times it ends up turning into a new piece. Um, there are two ways that I go about doing it. Um, one is sitting with the instrument and just looking at it and thinking, okay, what do my hands not want to do? Or what have they not done? And it's... It, it takes some work and some practice to get into that mindset. Um, but inevitably what comes out is something that catches my ear by surprise. Cause I haven't done it before. Uh, because I haven't done it before. It doesn't come out a hundred percent clean the first time. So it takes some work and it gets me excited and I keep working on it. Yeah. So now um, you've got something to do. Yeah. And it's exciting. Um, yeah. In this case, uh, I didn't write it while sitting at an inst- with the instrument, I should say. I wrote it on the computer in notation software um, because I've struggled with, um, uh, even though I think I have relatively good rhythm I can count, I've struggled uh, changing meter especially with odd meter, things in five, things in seven. Um, so I wanted to write something around that that I thought would challenge me. Um, so I, I came up with this piece that, uh, that has kind of a long introduction in six. And then once it gets into the main theme, 
the first two measures are in six, followed by two measures of, no, I'm sorry, three measures of five, followed by one measure of two, one more measure of six, and then you're back to five for a big stretch. Um, <clears throat> and uh, there's something about it that, so that just... Was, let's revisit that for a second. Sure. So you had six, five. Mm-hmm. Two measures by. of six, three measures of five, I no, believe. Wait, I, I cut you off. Okay. I'll say it again. Okay. It goes six, five, two, six, five, I believe. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to grab a piece of paper. I'm actually, I kind of want to bring bring it up right now and take a look at it. <clears throat> I, I want us to count it. Sure. Six, five, two, six, five. And when you're in six, is it an Irish feeling six or is it just... No. No, not at all. Are there... So right now, let's just... Are you pulling it up so you can look at it? I am, and I hope I don't stop recording here. hope I don't lose you. Um, Jump back over there and see. It should still be going. 2154. Yeah, we're, we're good. Cool. Yeah. Think we'll be good. So, while he's looking that up, I think this is uh, fascinating how people go about doing this stuff and the process that Aaron described just a minute ago is. I did a uh, a Facebook Live thing just with one of my practice sessions this morning, and it's almost exactly what I was doing. There was a problem I identified. I, I wasn't working in multiple meters at the point. I was just working on a specific thing that I couldn't get my left hand to do and wanted the timing of it to be right. So I created a problem and worked on that problem. And in the process of it, all kinds of melodic ideas jump out because just like Aaron said, you, there's something that you haven't noticed before because you've never played it. Maybe nobody's ever played it. Might be the case. Yeah, that's cool. All right, so did you find the music? I did. And it is, once we're into the main theme, we have two measures of six, followed by two measures of five, followed by one measure of two, followed by two measures of six, followed by a measure of two. All right, let's count that. You ready? Uh-huh. What's the tempo? Um, I believe it was around... Actually, I can look at that right now. Um, what do I have that marked at? I have it marked at 155. Okay, so in order for this to work, because there's a delay from me to mm-hmm. you, I'll give us one measure of six to count in. And that's okay. pretty fast. So it's like one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. One, two, right? three, four, five, six. Uh, I can actually. Okay. Yeah. Can, can you do something? Uh, if possibly. you play something back, you might mess up our recording. Okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, so you ready? We're going to try it. Sure. Gonna, the first measure is going to be count in. I don't know. Maybe you need to count it in. Okay. I go with you. Let's experiment here. I'm not sure how this works with the delay. So we'll stop. This one's not going to be a full take, but you start. Okay. So. Let's try this. What you want me to count you just one measure of six? One measure of six, and then okay. I count with you. Can Ready? I just count you two measures of six, and then come in there? Uh, yeah. Okay. Why? Um, 
so that I can find the rhythm. And I think that with the delay that we have going on, it might be a little right, easier yeah. for you to come in. Let's so, like, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, one, four, two, five, three, four, five, six, six one, two. Three, four, five, six, one, two. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> we can't do it. Yeah, we, we can't really can't. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. All right, you just count it. Go okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, one. Ah, sorry. One, two. Ah. I had that a whole weekend a off of uh, <laughs> <laughs> of not practicing this. And I've got my band jammer sitting right there with no pick. <laughs> I almost count it, want... count it. Come on, count it. You can. No, do no, it. no. I, I, I can't. I, I don't think in numbers. Hold on. I here's my problem. Uh... I think I may have explained this to you before. I think the root of my problem with odd meters was that I would change everything to four, even counting waltzes. One, two, three. <laughs> One two three four. 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 One two. And in jig time, you know, da 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 da. One two three four. One two three four. And so on. Yeah, I believe that's true of you. Aaron and I have been kind of slowly. We haven't really got a lot done on this, but working on a project. Every now and then, you show me a song, and and I'll have you count it and. It seems to me like you're playing something different than what you're counting, at least. But that's okay. I know. Well, another thing that I tend to do, even though it, it is in four, I swear it's in four. I might be wrong. But um, a lot of times important melodic events happen on and beats. Um, yep. With me, and so... You, so you're not just a, ma- a, a masochist, you're a sadist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, like I think the the piece that that comes to mind that I was showing you uh, one two three four one and two and three and four one and two and three and four and one and two and three and four and one and the where the the chords were changing uh, sometimes it was on the fourth beat so it felt a little bit odd and then it would go back right. to being on the one and the three and so it I I think you could make an argument for writing that measure out in an odd meter. But I was well, or you can make an argument, and, and there was. Let me just try this. This may not work. You sure. can make an argument that it's like a slip jig has a feel, mm-hmm. in that a real slip jig, you emphasize the, the six and the nine, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, two, three, six, nine, da, 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 da. It mm-hmm. it feels like it's an odd meter, but it's really not that odd. I mean, I'm using odd in the, in the musical version yeah. there. Uh, <clears throat> but it's that weird placement. And you probably have just a natural thing that you do that is an errand meter. And and I really mean that because I think there's a thing that I do. There's kind of a groove that I fall mm-hmm. into. And it's like, yeah. oh, that sounds like Landrum. Yeah. Because uh, I sort of always do it. And you look for ways of applying that in different places around the instrument. And then you get melodic ideas. Is that accurate? I think so. Where do you. But then you have to be able to convey that to somebody else. And that's a, that's a problem. That's the hard <laughs> part, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so just out of curiosity, if, if you don't mind me asking, where do you think that you got the Landrum meter? You know, if I was to sit down, and I'm not in a good position to hit my dulcimer easily right now, and, and just start to play something with the damper pedal down that was grooving, it would sound something like... 
It would move that way. Uh, and I have no idea where I got that. Probably practicing some sort of a rudiment of some kind. Practicing something. Hmm. Why? That's an interesting question. I was just I was just thinking. Um, and then it I was actually... kicked by a horse. <laughs> <laughs> were you be. were you counting when you got kicked by the horse? <laughs> <laughs> the little stars. Yeah. One, two, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. um, I was. This actually goes back to a, another conversation I had with Seifert. I think last time I did a Dulcimer Geek podcast was with him. And um, and I think one of the things that we, we talked about a little bit was uh, uh, when it came to uniqueness of, of a musician, that in a big way we, we tend to get our uniqueness from the combination of our influences, and that those are the big variables in how we interpret it. Um, and so I was, I was actually just thinking about that because I, I, well, I, I've known who my influences were uh, for a long time, but I haven't thought in depth about what parts came from where. And, okay. Uh, yeah. Now you've got me. I know. I know what my answer is now. Oh, thinking cool. that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be yes. Oh, the band. Yes. The band. Yes. Absolutely. Oh. And then and probably with a little bit of Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and maybe a little bit of early Kansas. And if you think about it, there's all kinds of stuff that uses that sort of feel in that prog rock thing because that's really when when I was playing music as close to 24 hours a day as I could was when I was 12, 13, 14 years old and playing drums. Oh, that makes sense. I so think um, like like you a, a combination I think um, a lot of uh, variations and Rhythmic pulse over four, I think, came from uh, from John Doyle. Listening to a lot of John Doyle, um, and I, I think I took or borrow heavily from places where he would syncopate and uh, how he would feel some of these, how he would groove over some of these fiddle tunes. Um, and I think, as far as the odd uh, changes in melody. Um, I think a good chunk of that was borrowed from Chris Thiele. Um, I was gonna guess because because yeah. uh, I've I've actually <laughs> another exercise that I do that's a that's a challenge um, and I've I feel like I've grown a little bit every from it every time was uh, listening to uh, a piece that I've heard Chris write from mandolin and try to identify what's the hook what's the piece that really got me and then try and write something in that vein. It ends up sounding totally different, but it captures the idea that he used that at least stuck out to me anyway. And I mean, he pulls from, uh, I mean, I'm a little bit of, I risk being a little bit of a fanboy. <laughs> but uh, oh, if you're going to be a fanboy, yeah, <laughs> go there. Goodness, but, uh, so good. Yeah, but I, I think, you know, uh, to me it seems like he's... Uh, has an almost limitless uh, bag of tricks and that he continues to surprise me as a listener. And I've listened to every project he's recorded, I think, just about. Yeah. He reminds me of... uh, This is just my own silliness, but 
I think of somebody who has the chops of a of a Johann Sebastian Bach, you know? Yeah. Who has the chops, not not I mean the actual musical chops and so mm-hmm. he's working at things but with the complex mind of somebody like Mozart, not that, you know, to compare those two, but I but those genres of music are so different. Right. And that's I don't know, Chris Thiele, I I think he's one of the most genius living musicians. Like, yeah. I agree. To this day. By the way, I haven't... Has he started a Prairie Home Companion? Yet? I don't know if he has on a regular basis. I know he's he's hosted at least a few. Um, well, Garrison Keillor had his final show just a few weeks ago. Oh, wow. So, you know, Thiele may be the full-time host now. Oh, wow. We need to check that out. Yeah. That's an assignment. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little frightened. You know, so Colbert on the Colbert Rapport... Mm-hmm. <laughs> was just hilarious. Yeah. He's not doing as well now. Yeah. In this new place. And there's this part of me that's like, go, oh, Chris Thiele, no. Go home and keep practicing. You're doing this amazing work. Mm-hmm. Well. I hope I'm wrong. I, I, I just, I don't see him as a comedian, and I fear for him just a little. You don't see Chris Thiele as a comedian? No, I mean he's he's great on stage as a, as an entertainer, or a, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's a little bit of this other role that you've got to step into. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm being silly. Uh, maybe I'm just holding on to the past, and I, I need to get off my lawn, kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think um, oh, I've seen I've seen a few clips of what he's done uh, on Prairie Home Companion. And um, there was there was one clip in particular I thought was was absolutely genius. Um, it was a song that he put together ahead of the Super Bowl um, as a tribute to Peyton Manning, the quarterback for the Denver Broncos, who yells out Omaha before almost every play. He wrote this lovely little song called Omaha Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it, funny. it was brilliant. But I saw another another clip that he did that. Uh, almost used the the mandolin as as kind of a. Uh, uh, I'm reluctant to say it, but almost as kind of a sideshow thing. Okay. Like um. Almost like a novelty, and I think that we've probably both felt like that at times with our dulcimers. And I think that were sideshows. <laughs> Have we ever not felt that way? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, I had somebody who called me Sideshow Dan. <laughs> Going back to Sideshow Bob. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. Is he, I wonder, uh, since we don't know, I guess we should stop. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but back to what we do know is uh, his uh, projects are so diverse Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's known for people who who might just be getting, if, if you Googled him, the word mandolin would show up, I think, you know, 90 times more than the word vocalist. Right. But I love his vocals. I, and, yeah. his, and his, I think he's a lyricist and a great vocalist. But mm-hmm. for people who are just maybe into bluegrass, I I don't see him as a bluegrass vocalist, even though he's got yeah. that high voice. And you can see him doing it, and he's done it, but mm-hmm. I just don't think that's him. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, and he's another one of these new musicians. New, he's been doing it quite a while now, though. <laughs> that they're just really hard to classify. I mean, what genre would you say that the Punch Brothers anti-fogmatic CD is? Well, actually, uh, I'm going to borrow an answer from Edgar Meyer um, okay. when uh, uh, he was on the Colbert Report with Chris Thiele, Yo-Yo Ma, and Stuart Duncan as part of the Goat right. Radio session, and Colbert asked them exactly that question: um, What what genre is this? You know, something along those lines. And uh, Edgar Meyer said something like, "It's a, uh, it's genre proof. It uh, it doesn't really need to be classified. It's just music. It's you know some of a lot of parts." But can I hear an amen? <laughs> it, you can, yeah. but <laughs> I think <laughs> I think it's kind of funny that he said it because I I almost feel like genre proof is becoming its own subgenre of. Bluegrass. Has anyone else used that? <laughs> Have you heard that used? I don't know. I don't because th- I, I don't think I don't hear anybody saying new grass anymore. Yeah. I actually I hear new grass used to describe certain festivals that border on bluegrass and jam band kind of stuff. Um, okay. But uh, in marketing a band or an artist, I haven't heard it. Yeah, and does does any of that even matter anymore? Not really. I'm really, I'm really asking that. <laughs> it matters when you're searching Spotify or Pandora. But how often? So I use uh, I use Spotify, mm-hmm. and not very often when it says you know based on the fact that you've been listening to Jack Johnson, you might like this artist. It's not right all that often. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not. <clears throat> Music is such a weird thing. The the process of discovering something is experiential, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's hard for me to say, hey, Aaron, you should listen to this band. Right. Uh, it doesn't always stick when you do that. Yeah. But what's been funny is, like, for you and I, and I think this is strange on multiple levels, I remember one day going, there's this guy with red hair, and I've been listening to his music, and his name's Ed Sheeran. Nobody knew who Ed Sheeran was. Oh, really? And you went, I would have told you that. And you went, oh, yeah, I've been listening to his stuff too. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I was like, wow, that was really kind of bizarre. And there's another band that you and I sort of both came to about the same time called Quiet Company. Oh, yeah. And yeah. we're both like, this is amazing. Yeah, you, you actually got me into Quiet Company. Oh, I did? Okay. Yeah. And uh, and they're they're one of my favorite bands. It's just that, amazing, that, yeah. That songwriting, I think, is absolutely brilliant. You know, it's funny. Taylor Muse, the guy who's the lead guitarist and writer for them, uh, he's a Facebook friend, and meaning not just that I friended him. He said yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually written me, and I've written him, and so therefore I think he would know my name if somebody said, hey, there's this guy out here who wants to meet you. Mm-hmm. His name is blah, blah. He would know that. So mm-hmm. that, that's what I considered in that thing. I listen to his music, and to me, to he's like a Chris Thiele in a way. Mm-hmm. Not that you should compare people, but I right. just have have I expect great things, you know, from this band. Yeah, and it was so shocking the other day to see a picture of his guitar on the bedroom at their house. He's like, "Hey, I'm selling my guitar. I just got a new one." You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just isn't that funny? Yeah, you know, and and you could tell there were some people who sort of went fanboy on him, mm-hmm. like, "Oh man, I'd love to have one of your guitars." And he's like. And they're like, what are you selling this for? And it was a guitar that he probably paid 
$550 for or something like that. And he was selling it for $500. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. someone had already bought it. I love that about music these days. I do. I agree. It's awesome. Yeah. All right. So I, back, back to, uh, back to your odd ways, <laughs> <laughs> your odd meter ways. Um, <laughs> uh, have you found a, you know, like when you're trying to communicate this stuff to somebody else, mm-hmm. how do how do musicians generally relate to what you're trying to show them that you're doing? Which, yeah, um, well, after playing in a in a number of different settings, um, it it takes work. Um, I think. It's hard for me to, to put this in, in any kind of words that I that I would feel good about, but I'll try anyway. And please edit this out if I sound horrible. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, but Why the, start now? We've never done that for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because you, you and Seaford are genuinely good people. And and I <laughs> and I hope I am yeah. too, but I, I'm afraid yeah, I'm going to find a ma- out. There's such a right. magic between us. Right. <laughs> <Whatever>. <laughs> But you know, at at festivals, um, uh, I love seeing artists collaborate. You know, for the concert, we don't get a whole lot of time in the concert, but it's a lot of fun yeah. to share it with another person. Um, and I I absolutely love playing backup for other people. Um, if honestly, if I could, I would just make a living as a backup musician. That's all I would do. Um, as far as my music goes. The only stuff that I tend to play tends to be what I had to spend a lot of time figuring out how to tackle. And I'm still very much learning my own material. And so it's hard for me to try and uh, bring someone else in on that, I think. Um, Especially with the limited amount of rehearsal time we get. Uh, at festivals because we we tend to be teaching a lot and it's a lot of fun. I'm not complaining or anything, but um, but I've 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 thought you know what's something that I can play solo that would be easy enough for me to um to bring some other people in on without a whole lot of uh, rehearsal time, and I haven't come up with anything yet. Hmm. So I'm going to ask you a question, and if you want to make me feel good, which I don't know why that mm-hmm. would be you know, anything driving what you would say, mm-hmm. the answer would be yes to this question. Uh, you, you say that you're you know, maybe not up to some of the material that you write. Are you up to the material that you, all the material that you've written uh, but don't play anymore, does it fall away? No, it, I wouldn't say it falls away. That's what I was um, afraid you'd say. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, like, we we get excited about, I think, the material that we're working on. It doesn't mean exactly. we, we stop performing it, but as far as what we would be excited about bringing someone else in on, it's usually what we're working on right then. Um, the latest and greatest thing. Did that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. 
it makes sense also with, I think, one of the things that we're dealing with now <clears throat> with all of this new media possibility and the immediacy of this new media. This Facebook Live thing, I'm, I think I'm enjoying because I don't, <laughs> I really do practice almost every day. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the, what I'm most excited about is what I'm practicing. And what I'm practicing is almost always something I can't quite do yet. Right. We don't practice to entertain ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you practice to get better and you practice because you, you love this. And mm-hmm. uh, you wouldn't, uh, you know, like early in this conversation, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you said you try things and then they're hard. And, you know, and so you want to work on that. That's right. the thing that you want to practice, and that's where the musical mm-hmm. ideas come from. There has to be some degree of self-confidence that's part of that process. Or you would go, oh, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. I'm not any good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think but from— you, I'm you, I want to finish this. Sure. But you, you have to get there. Mm-hmm. And the only way you get there is by practicing it a lot. It's a time-consuming process. Mm-hmm. And I'm hooked on the results of the time-consuming process, mm-hmm. not necessarily on the process itself, you know, because sometimes okay. it doesn't feel good, but I still want to do it. Right. Some Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes it feels great. Um, I think that it is kind of like exercise um, for me in that it's it's something that I feel like I can get addicted to. And it's a good addiction. Yeah. Right. There, there is woodshedding like we've talked about before, like, you know, for one reason or another, there might be three days in a row where I might not be able to touch the instrument at all. Um, and that's painful to come back from, especially when there's a gig coming up and I really want to perform well. (laughs) I want to do a good job. And, uh, and so I, I tend to map out like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try and get in at least this much time on the first day, the second day, the third day. And usually by the fourth day, I'm feeling pretty good again. Um, but, uh, the other side to that, when momentum takes over, when you're in the, uh, the groove of practicing every day, or you've got something that really excites you, um, I know for me, eight hours have flown by without really noticing it um practicing you know four measures if that and i've learned uh since i got married <laughs> and uh, are you still married <laughs> i am still married I, I i have a lovely beautiful wife <laughs> who's very accepting but um <laughs> and and really incredibly supportive but I find I want to spend time with my wife. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good thing too. (laughs) Right. And so it only gets, I don't want to say it only gets worse because it only gets better. Yeah. If if, if things are working out. I mean, I've got my wife and my, my children Mm -hmm. and my grandchildren. And, and honestly, I really mean this, the people on my street and Mm -hmm. you don't want to become that musician. And it's really cool that you're not, it's one of the reasons Mm -hmm. I like you. Uh, and like working with you is I think you've got a really good balance of that. Well, I've I've worked with people who it's almost as if the, if you're too competitive, if the reason that you're driven to practice is competitive in nature, there's a chance you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> not any fun to be around. Yeah. <laughs> I I agree completely. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, because this, you can't do this to the detriment of other people if it makes you a worse person. Mm-hmm. Or you just shouldn't. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, if anything... Uh, <laughs> I mean, music's the reason that I, it's, it was the, the road to meeting my wife. So in that sense, um, yeah, I can say that I started playing dulcimer for woman singular. Uh, <laughs> I would listen at this point, I would say you need to get off of that road though. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, I don't need to practice as much. I'm married. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's. Yeah, boy, Aaron. <laughs> no. You are so lucky. You were practicing a, dul- a dulcimer in hopes of meeting a girl. <laughs> Let that sink in. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> no, but it was a, a really now I've I found that with uh with being married and trying to maintain a happy marriage and stay productive and all this other stuff. Right. I um for uh, I think I've gotten a lot better recently, like in the last few months of actually mapping out um, practice time, what it is I'm going to practice and for how long, because I've got other work I need to do. It's uh, it's not you know just a matter of being married and, and wanting to spend time with my wife, which is really important. But um, uh, from doing music, from doing this full time a little bit longer, there are just more projects now, which That's is right. great. I'm really thankful for that. Um, but those deserve attention. And if anything, they uh, it's easy for them to overpower practice time, which makes uh, plotting and planning that even more important for me anyway. Yeah. And all the practice time is all adding up to that, to that 10,000 hours right. thing, you know, to where you get to be an expert at some point. Uh if you got there because you planned the whole thing and you, I, I don't know, it might leave you, but mm-hmm. if you got there because you were just really digging it, mm-hmm. it's probably never going to leave you. Yeah. That's when um, the question, how much do you practice is kind of an interesting one because um, it's not consistent. Um, I think that, uh, for for me anyway, and for a lot of people, we, we started playing because we really like it a lot. But a lot of those marathon sessions that went eight hours or more weren't necessarily to get better. Um, they were because I was really excited and stopped watching the clock <laughs> when maybe I should have at some point. But uh, the woodshedding sessions, those are the, those are work. <laughs> Like when you have a very specific goal and you know you have to do something in four days. Yeah, like uh, like like I mentioned, if for whatever reason I haven't been able to touch the instrument for three days straight and I've got a gig coming up, that's always a little painful. Right. But, uh, yeah. That's not fun, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's really. <laughs> yeah, when I think about that experience, that process, it makes mm-hmm. me think, okay, I'm never going to do this again. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the this isn't... Not, I'm never going to do this kind of gig again. It's like I'm never going to put off something as complicated as this as long as I did. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And 
you know what the uh, the opposite side of that ditch of uh, we talked about the potential jerk who does it because they're competitive and wants to just be technically great, you know, so mm-hmm. that they're better than everyone else. That person's mm-hmm. no fun. The other person is the one who's just really good, but kind of ceases to care because they're good enough. Mm-hmm. I never want to be that person either. Yeah, I've I've had a big fear of that, honestly, because. We both know people like that. And I always wonder, yeah. I wonder if they started off like me, um, like really super excited. And... Yeah, I don't know. That scares me. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about practicing for eight hours and it's been a while since I've done that. But the only reason it's been a while since I've done that is because of obligations. Right. You know, it's just rebuilding this house and <clears throat> and. I'm slowing down on the remodel mm-hmm. and I have to be careful because we're really tired of that. But I still have two, you know, major window sets that have to, there's the reason this uh, podcast is noisy is because I don't have a door yet. Oh, <laughs> it's my, it's my studio. And we still have raw sheetrock hanging, mm-hmm. you know, some of it that hasn't been finished and just lots of stuff like that to do. But not to mention you've got grandkids to take pictures of. And play with. I've been. Yeah. Uh, I've gone to right. the uh, climbing gym the last few days a couple I, of times. I saw that video this morning. Isn't that cool? That was adorable. That was great. Yeah. So yeah, I couldn't video Barrett and I climbing together for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, oh, sorry, you get the video. It'd be like where you <laughs> fell in the creek, <laughs> except this time it would be falling from a height, and that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we were up on a wall together on the two parallel things climbing and that kind of stuff. It's just and. You're going to start seeing that stuff with his sister soon, too. She came over for a while this morning, and she's so sweet and happy. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. Winnie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good stuff. That's what life's about, right? Nice. Yeah, well, that's that's what I hear at Mount Dora. I had no shortage of people asking me if kids were on the way, so um, I feel like all my adopted parents and grandparents are <laughs> putting pressure there now. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> Any advice? <laughs> That's T? No. Yeah. <laughs> How That's, great. That's great. That's <laughs> great. I think that's great. I'd yeah. l- I, if you could jump right straight to grandchildren. That's what. That's exactly what uh, myself and Nicole have talked about. We're trying to figure out a way <laughs> to cut out the middleman. Just go straight to grandkids. But yeah. I, we haven't figured out a way. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we have uh, eaten up an hour of people's <laughs> lives, uh, if anyone's still with us. But thank you for doing this. And oh, yeah. who knows, thank it may you. be, which I'll put you on the spot, Seifert still might not be available next week mm-hmm. because of this Boston gig he has in Oregon. Just <laughs> right. that whole thing yeah. of getting Boston over there is going to be hard. Yeah. I'd... And the accent, people, they wouldn't even know what they're saying. I know. <laughs> Are they going to go in the car? or is the militia going to pick them up right (laughs) (laughs) oh hey let's talk about politics for a minute yeah oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) that's enough of that (laughs) right (laughs) 
yeah. All right, where uh, uh, where can people see your stuff, Aaron? And if people would like to contribute to your being able to do what it is you do so well. Well, um, AaronO'Rourke.com has all my books, CDs, and all that fun stuff, the latest news. But I'm also putting out music every month on Patreon.com. So just go to Patreon.com and search for Aaron O'Rourke, and you'll find me putting out Mountain Dulcimer recordings. Yay! Yeah, woohoo. Oh, hey, I wanna, I'm going to quit here in a second. I want to jump back and just ask for some help with something. So these, uh, I've been using this Facebook Live thing for practice sessions. Mm-hmm. And I meant to mention this a while ago when you were talking about practicing. That process, I want to share the process that you and I have been talking about. Right. I want to share that with people. As a musician, I'm having a little hard time when I do these things because it feels... kind of like a performance and so I'm trying to tell Mm -hmm. myself it's not Mm -hmm. and I think the best way would be if uh, somebody else turned a camera on and I didn't know they turned a camera on and I practiced (laughs) and I think and I think that of you too you know if we could really watch what you're doing Mm -hmm. and get over the fact that you're sitting there in your boxers (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) at least it's a lap dulcimer (laughs) Uh uh, there's a lot to be learned from that Mm-hmm. And then I feel like if you could have then the person who's practicing really just practices if no one's watching. It's like dancing when no one's watching. Right. But then go back and comment on what it was they were thinking and what it was they were doing. So they so I'm I'm does that make sense? Oh yeah. I'm tempted to try something like that. I'm afraid it's just going to look so weird on Facebook. So if like if 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 I just had a note in the back said don't bother me, I'm practicing. <laughs> and I'll you, talk about this later. You know, um, I would, I think I could, I would get on board with that. Um, I think that's a great idea. So, like, maybe if we did something that you got to watch the person practice, but you knew that they were not going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if to, it would feel awkward knowing that you were being watched. But then you get over that if you really close your eyes and get into what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Let's figure out how to do that. Yeah. Let's make that work. Okay. Yeah. And then we should, right. we should watch Seifert practicing his concerto. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what what imagery did you get when you said that? I saw a uh, a lion in a cage <laughs> pacing around. <laughs> I I just smelled a lot of sweat. <laughs> He's a stinky one. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Aaron. All righty. Thanks a bunch. See you. Yeah. Take care.